Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Shirts in Time. Just before we get into this week's episode, if you're not already, can you please follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram, at Shirts in Time Pod. If you didn't already know, I also upload the Goals in Time section onto YouTube, so head over there and subscribe to the channel, at Shirts in Time Podcast. Cheers for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Shirts in Time. I have been gone for, some would say far too long, probably some would say not long enough, but I've had various laptop breaking issues, uh, internet issues, man flu. The Yeah, the podcast is actually cursed. So hopefully my guest today is here to break the curse. It is Richard from the Wonderful World of Football Shirts podcast. How are we doing, mate? I am brilliant. I'm all revved up and ready to break this curse. <laughs> yes. I've been listening to your other episodes, and every time you record, Man United lose. Uh, Man United not yeah. playing today or tomorrow, are they? Uh, we're playing tomorrow in the Carabao Cup against Newcastle, and I'm actually going. So. Okay. <laughs> you, the curse may continue. But hopefully we'll, um, we'll solve the breaking laptops and man flu curse. If you don't know about the curse, uh, Richard, and listeners... I had uh, Klopp shop Harry, a uh, Brighton fan. Brighton then beat United. I had Luke Seychelles, Crystal Palace fan. Crystal Palace beat United. Then Kit, Kung, Kit King Dom, also a United fan. So he even said he's here to break the curse. United then lost to Galatasaray the day after. I went to edit the episode on the, the Sunday. The laptop screen went off. Wouldn't turn back on. Finally got the laptop sorted. Internet went down. 
finally got the internet and laptop and all the other stuff working, and then I had man flu. But we are back, and hopefully, Richard, I really please. I hope you do break this uh, this curse. <laughs> well, do you know what? We get an opportunity. Well, thankfully, Wolves have already played Man United. You luckily beat us at the very start of the season. Um, we aren't facing each other for a while, so at least I don't have that to lord over you. Yeah, I was at that game, and I thought watching United that game I was like this. Fair enough, yeah, we were horrendous, but this can't get any worse than this. And as the weeks and the months have slowly gone on, how wrong was I? Because it's, yeah, it's not rock meets bottom just yet, but, oh, we're teetering towards. <laughs> it is what it is. Like, I have a, my best mate is a Man United fan, and you just kind of like, it could be a lot worse. Yeah, I know. I always, I always think like we, as Phyllis says, we have just done an episode on uh, Richard's podcast, the Wonderful World of Football shirts, and uh, I mentioned about sometimes looking at. We were talking about betting sponsors, and then I was saying how I was look maybe looking at through the eye of a United fan, maybe it's a bit. I'm being a bit, I don't know, not elitist, but looking down a bit, thinking, oh, how can teams do it? But then, obviously, other teams need money and stuff, and then I'm giving it all the United doom and gloom at the start of this podcast when. It's still the biggest club in the world, and bloody bad. They've lost a few games. Then the players are absolutely useless, overpaid people. But it could be a lot worse, in all fairness, couldn't it? So, I tell you what, then let's let's like let's try and avoid talking about modern Manchester United. Let's go back to a better time, because uh, even though you know that I'm a Wolves fan, um, I yeah. have mentioned that growing up. All I had, I didn't, I, I never had Sky Sports growing up. I thankfully do now. I'm a grown adult. I can buy, you know, do whatever I want. But um, growing up, all I ever had was ITV that was showing Champions League football. So growing up, uh, Manchester United were a seminal force when it came to watching football for me. Growing up, and you know, back in the day on ITV, Man United's entire Champions League run, starting from the qualifiers, were all on TV. So you know, in that kind of 98-99 period, even before that, you know, was it losing the t- semi-finals to Borussia Dortmund kind of thing that you did? Like, I'm I just, I'm there. I knew I can, you know, massive kind of Man United follower at that point, and I make no bones about it. Like, I don't hide the fact that I have very fond memories of that United team. Yeah, it's quite weird with the whole situation at United at the minute because when I speak to people about it at work and on various social medias and stuff there's a lot of people like yourself who almost have like a soft spot or or definitely a great respect for what United used to be back in the day uh, the 90s early noughties all the way to Fergie left basically and then you have to complete comparison the complete opposite of people who absolutely revel in what United are going through because of how successful and everything they were. And I'm glad you mentioned the like early noughties, the, the Champions League runs and stuff like that, because I remember when Wolves got promoted to the Premier League and you beat us 1-0 at Molyneux. Was it Kenny Miller who scored? Kenny Miller. That, every time I picture United Wolves, I just picture <laughs> that game. It's oh, not a great memory, if I'm being honest. You know what, actually, I was thinking, I was I, I, I would couldn't, if I would have remembered, I wasn't going to bring this up, but you've just reminded me in one of your previous podcasts when you were talking about, I think it was 
Palace players that had done well against Man United and you were going to get a shirt with that name set on the back. I was thinking you should get a George Ellicobe Wolf shirt because that man managed to score two goals against you in the Premier League a few years back. I'm thinking that is a very unique piece of memorabilia, George Ellicobe number three. I would start trying to do that now as a shirt collection players that have done well against United, but I can't be, I can't be buying 11 shirts every week, maybe 15 <laughs> shirts. How many subs are used? I can't be doing it. I remember George Ellicobe was obviously built like a shit brickhouse. Brick yeah. shitter? Brick shitter. And it, he was you know, humongous as a left back and um, stuck with Wolves when we got relegated twice. And my very good friend um, was a Jills fan, Gillingham. And at the time, Akin Fenwa was playing for Gillingham. And both of the... Uh, Elikobi was, um, because of injuries, was centre-back in a kind of a three, three centre-backs. And then when Elikobi came on, the jokes were flying around that everyone felt the earth shudder because <laughs> two absolute behemoths of the football world were kind of like battling against each other. Yeah, that's proper Clash of the Titans, isn't it? The immovable force hits the unstoppable object kind of thinking. And it kind of, it, it, you know, I mean, we're talking about football here, not shirts, but it kind of like, it, it upsets me a bit that that kind of type of player is kind of being shunned out of the game now. And I think to myself, like, football is so elitist that these footballers are so well tuned to playing football they're all kind of like carbon copies of each other, which is why, leading on to uh, the the back of your behind you, you've got Leo Messi there, who is such a unique specimen because of how small he is, and yet how successful of a footballer he's been. Yeah, he's one of those like kind of freaks of nature, like who's a little man amongst these big gigantic athletes, and because he's so small and nimble and quick. No one can just seem to get him. You see games where people are just... James Milner, I think, a few years ago for City was just trying to lever him. And he's just like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to be there. But, yeah, I, for, my, for these Messi shirts, they were kind of not purposeful. Well, that one, the 2010-11 season where they beat, funny enough, United in the Champions League final that year, that shirt is specifically because of the uh, goal he scored in the semi-final against Real Madrid. And I look, do you collect shirts like that for your collection? Do you have like any shirts that are just moment-based at all? Or? Um, that's a good question. First of all, can you tell me about the, the one on your other shoulder? I don't recognise that shirt, the black with white sleeve. Do you remember oh, 2004, 2005, they did the stand-up stand speaker? shirts for the racism campaign the kick out campaign basically right that's so technically yeah technically it's they're not they were never produced officially for like people to holland buy them just like it, didn't like, yeah holland yeah holland had one oh, what is it brazil brazil had one i've got a port i've actually got this one messi 19 uh, barcelona and then i've got a ronaldo c dot ronaldo 17 portugal one as well, but yeah, they were never actually like commercially available to buy. They were only, if you had one, it was only match worn. So it you could basically call it a fake shirt, but it's a special fake shirt for me because of like the message and the oh, story it has behind it, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, 
your question was do i have any shirts that have special moments to them N- not really no my shirt collection is oh that's a lie that's a lie you can see <laughs> behind me here is uh, again on uh, my podcast i make no bones about the fact that i am a huge david beckham fan always have been and um this psg shirt sadly i'm moving away from the microphone sadly wasn't the one that he retired in which is probably the one that i wanted which is i can't for the life of remember the year he retired in but we'll all know it they um had a thick white stripe big stripe down yeah, the middle one. that was white and then red underneath but the season he played for uh, PSG, it was kind of two smaller stripes, one red, one white. Now, you think I would remember the year he retired. I've just finished watching the documentary on Netflix. Did you Did you have you watched the documentary? I think, how many episodes is it? Is it six episodes? Six, four or six, I can't remember. They're big though. I don't know. He's just, he's, 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 yeah, he's just signed for Real Madrid and where I've got up to. Obviously, as a United fan, David Beckham's just a massive hero for me. Yeah, same. Um, I don't have it to hand, but I think I was heavily influenced by David Beckham, both stylistically. I think I I didn't never did the um, shaved mohawk thing, but I definitely had the. You know, when he was in the 2002 World Cup and he had his hair longer, but kind of like mohawked it with the blonde. I did that. Yeah. And um, that definitely influenced me to buy long sleeve England shirts because he was famous at the time for wearing long sleeve shirts for England and United. He's one of those players that kind of influences a lot of people, like people like Cantona, the way he used to wear the collar up on his shirt. That influences so many people, like in generations after as well. Ronaldo as well, maybe a more modern take on the long sleeve style, like. Cristiano Ronaldo is known for wearing long sleeve shirts, and that's a, a lot of people base their collections around people like that. Yeah, there's um, I had um, maybe double A on the pod a while ago, and I I came to him with a, I call it a conspiracy theory of sorts that um, when Cantona was at United, um, Man United weren't allowed to have non collared shirts because the amount of revenue that Cantona would produce from popping his collar was far greater than not. And you, then... You might be onto something there. Yeah, well, the, then the other thing is, Ronaldo wore long sleeve shirts, and he wore long sleeve shirts his first into United. But if you look back, when he rejoined Manchester United, his first few games, he wore short sleeve shirts because they didn't have and didn't sell long sleeve shirts. But... Two weeks later, what's that? Man United released a long sleeve version of the shirt they've just released. So the pulling power of certain players, I'm convinced that Adidas had then bent the knee to Ronaldo to produce something because it's Ronaldo. Yeah, he's one of those... I remember one of the, in the first few games back, seeing him in short sleeves, it just always looks strange. I think in Juventus, he wore a lot of short sleeves as well. It's just like... Come on, sacrifice! I know you're playing in the boiling hot heat in Italy, but come on, sacrifice yourself a bit. Stick, stick true to your character, please. And keeping on the same theme, do you remember? You, again, you'll have watched the documentary, but for those who haven't, when David Beckham was benched for Man United in the Champions League against Madrid, came on and scored the free kick. He wore short sleeve, a short sleeve yeah. shirt, and it looks so odd because Beckham doesn't wear short sleeve shirts. 
that that game always sticks in my mind because of him wearing a short sleeve shirt for some reason. Yeah, the way he came on, the way he, the the mute, it was like a quite a muted celebration when he scored, and the fact he's wearing short sleeves, it almost looks like I know it's weird saying this, but like a preseason game, if you know what I mean. Just the the whole situation around the the length of his sleeves, the the muted celebration, but. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other players that Wayne Rooney when he made his uh, debut against Fenerbahce and ripped the his collar. I'm glad that trend didn't catch on. To be fair, because that'd be a very extensive trend, wouldn't it? I wonder what for match worn collectors are like. For that, remember that period of time when certain players used to rub Vaseline or, or, or Vicks vapor rub on on the, the top of their shirts. Wonder how those those are still looking nowadays. Oh, especially Patrick Vieira shirts. If anyone who listens to this podcast has a, has a, this is a, a massive request. If you do have a match one Patrick Vieira shirt, please send me pictures of it because I just want to. That is a great point that you just made because he used to. Does it still he must smell? Have wore about two. Yeah, he must have worn like two tubs of Vicks on one shirt. It's almost see through in the chest area. That's how much he wore. It's a bit like again a bit early before your time, but when. It was only Robbie Fowler who wore nasal strips across his nose to open up his airways. Very not <laughs> we sure. We won't go into why that is, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my kind of going back to my football shirt collection, um, oh, there's a few behind me. It's it varies wildly. I'm I wouldn't necessarily call myself a massive shirt collector. I do love lots of shirts, but I think I love the idea of them more than I love owning them. Especially now with the incredibly high price points, even for replica shirts, um, I can't really justify spending that much money. And and the more you buy, the less you have to wear them. So I've got my collection is probably, I mean, I've got some that I can't look at right now because they're, they're away because I don't really wear them, but I got about 25 to 30, but they're 25 to 30 shirts that I'll wear on the regular. Um, and as you can see from just behind them, you know, the ones I've got on show, they're quite eclectic looking from yeah, various leagues and divisions, you know? So um, there are a few of them that I was completely sold on the story. I know when you spoke to Kit, Kit King Dom, um, the whole kind of generic pattern with the random bullshit that they throw at you about why that design is what it is when you know yeah. uh, man united and wolves shared a similar pattern a few seasons ago you had it on your gray away shirt we had it on our home shirt and yet we both had different explanations to the pattern the gradient <laughs> colors were to do with this and that it was just uh what year was that i think it was the 2019 2020 season when we were in europe um and you maybe had it the season before a gray away kit and it was just it's like come on who's trying to kid so then we compare that to this one which is one of my favorites now please don't i mean you're gonna ask me you 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 were you were very important said richard try and remember the year that these shirts were involved but i can't remember the year of this one but it's the um queen's park shirt uh, it's their away shirt and it's unique because i'm sure your listeners that will know it when i describe it it's got a lot of dots on it that 
denote the uh, history of the club. Red is a loss, green is a win, and uh, orange is a draw. And so on the front and back, it's got the whole history of their results and has Iron Brew as the sponsor, made by Admiral. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a lovely shirt, which is made with passion. And what was even better is when I ordered yeah. it from the club website, um, it arrived and it had um, a piece of A4 paper on it with all the other things I could buy from the club shop. It was very sweet, <laughs> very cute. And I think at the time only cost me like £35, which even from like two or three years ago was still a, a cracking price to pay. Yeah, it's mentioned on this podcast before about how like shirts tie, uh, clubs, sorry, tie their history or their heritage or something to do with the fan base or the culture of the club. But that what Queen's Park shirt has actually tied the whole history, history of the results of the club into one shirt. And obviously an iconic sponsor like Iron Brew to go with it and an iconic manufacturing admiral. It's really like, like a really, probably a classic modern shirt to come in in years to come isn't it i yeah i hope so well do you know what i hope so because um i went the first time we kind of really spoke to each other was just so i was on my way to the retro football fair that was hosted by tom from circa 88 and the retro football fair guys now i a lot of people went to sell shirts but i just went to talk to people about them so i set my stand up i had my little pin badges to sell but i had with me uh, that shirt I had um, this one behind me, which is uh, a template shirt and, uh, well, the other ones. And the amount of people that tried to make an offer on that shirt, because it's already becoming a bit of a, uh, yeah, kind of a instant classic. What kind of offers were you getting? What ball mark? Um, well, like I say, so I think someone offered me £60 for it, but not yeah. as much as this one. Now, I can't give you a year on this one because I don't think it has one. But this is a generic uh, template of an Adidas shirt. Oh, is it? The, did Schalke have that template? Schalke. I think that's what it is. I think it's called the Schalke template in long sleeve yeah. Adidas. It has the number 11 on the back. Now, bear in mind, uh, Mark, who I do the podcast with, bought me this from Germany. He paid, I think it was about seven euros for it. Uh, someone offered me a hundred pound. Wow. I said no, and I felt quite brave saying no to that. But at the same time, you really could do with £100 now. <laughs> I think sentimental value, there's no price on sentimental value. Is it a sentimental shirt to you? It isn't, no, but it was given oh. to me by Mark. So, you know, yeah. um, I don't want to without his blessing, but also it's a flipping great shirt to wear. Yeah, yeah, it's a really iconic, lovely template. That it's kind of the, the funny world we live in, isn't it? And um, that where we collect our football shirts, but if you can pick up a retro template of a shirt as well, they sell as well as kind of retro shirts, don't they? Yeah, when I had Jackson on, he's a, a template fanatic. I call him the king of templates just because of his collection and how much he obsesses over them. He gets them for. I don't want to ruin it for him, but he gets them for really good, cheap prices on eBay because people don't really know. Are they, I know like shirt collectors and stuff know they're out there, but like your normal person who has a slight interest in football shirts or likes wearing football shirts has no idea that these things exist. They think every football shirt has a 
a well-known club crest, a well-known manufacturer, a well-known sponsor on it. And that's it. But no, these templates are out there, but please don't buy them all because I love Jackson uh, messaging me. <laughs> I felt like a right idiot though one time because I saw on eBay, you know, um, kind of, I want to say maybe 94, 95 Liverpool away shirt, which was white, um, had the green sleeves, but had the black Adidas stripes coming up from the bottom. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw a German team, a German Sunday League team, uh, version of that. that that exact same colour though and they were, I mean they had like a sponsor which was also the name of the team across the front and a number on the back and they were being sold for this guy was selling them for like £11 or something like that and I thought at the time I was like nah but now I think about it I'm like that would have been brilliant because we have people like Acer from um, Kit Creatio, Creatio, Football Creatio who can like like remove things, you know, old team names and sponsors and stuff. Chris from Cutting Edge Shirts, I know we discussed the uh, I did that re-release of the team guy stuff on your podcast, but they also did like a also did like an icons. I think the release was called, and he yes. had it like so. This like like do you know what I mean? Where it's got like the Adidas badge, like the club crest in like the center, and then it's got like the three stripes and different colors yeah. coming up to meet in the middle. That's and the he's exact been basically a. Yeah, they're essentially like template shirts, really, aren't they? But he's been adding like old school, like United, he's been adding like Sharp and stuff like that, and like old school Adidas name set. So the template, taking that template shirt to a whole new level, really. I was going to talk to you about that, actually, because I wanted to get your opinion on it, because we've got those shirts, and Chris has been doing a fantastic job with them. No doubt. Um, The Adidas lifestyle range as well, which I know, again, you've spoken about, on previous podcasts with the Bayern Munich one, but United got one, Arsenal got one, and he's um, doing up those ones as well to have retro name sets. Um, what's your opinion on, A, retro shirts with modern footballer names on them and in the old school style, and B, what's your opinion on, let's say, you having this season's Man United shirt and having Cantonal 7 on the back oh no I'd be no I'm no <laughs> dead against it has to be has to be for me like the shirt has to be the player on the back of the shirt has to have worn that shirt okay so you wouldn't even so, then have a Cantonal 7 on a, the newer shirt no no absolutely not okay I actually got a shirt I've got a shirt in my collection well it's not in my collection I bought it when I was I think it's the first ever shirt I bought by myself with my own money. In the United 2010-11 or 11-12 away shirt. Van Persie's first season, the white one with the red trim and it's got like a, a yeah. hidden button collar. I've got that and I've got best seven on the back. And it. I look at that shirt from the front, I go, oh, I love that shirt. And then I turn the shirt around and think, what was I thinking when I got that shirt? Why, when I went to sport, uh, JJB Sports, did they let me get that? <laughs> now the question is do you think that's to do with the the here and now of the shirt you know uh, football shirts are very much of their time right if there was a more yeah. generic team shirt uh, i'm going to use an, a country for example let's say um 
they're a good example, but they're a bad example. Let's say you bought this year's Argentina shirt. And because it's just yeah. blue and white stripes, it's quite generic in that sense. Would that look at a place with Maradona 10 on the back? I don't, I don't know, because Napoli did a shirt a few... Was it last season? Obviously, oh, season when on. he passed away, they did a... Ma- yeah. yeah, but they also did like a, a an Argentinian-themed shirt with Maradona 10 on the back. I went, yeah, I wasn't, no, yeah, I wasn't a fan of that either. To be fair, I think I look at when I okay. look at a football shirt, I like to think of a standout moment or a standout game or a standout player that's happened in that shirt. So if they had like a say this season's United shirt had Cantona seven on the back, I'm like, there's no correlation but between the mm. two. I wish Cantona was in this current United team, <laughs> but unfortunately, so, okay, no. I yeah, question for you then, because I know you like the idea of name sets and I know you've been burnt by a couple of name sets and we won't talk about those types of players, but here's another one. Um, because again, I got a best friend who is a Man United supporter, loves Ryan Giggs. Now he's gone through the, the mud a bit, but if you had a shirt with Giggs 11 on the back from when he was playing, would you feel comfortable in having a gig shirt with 11 on the back because it denotes Ryan Giggs, the player, or do you think, and the other argument would be, let's say you've got a Paolo Di Canio shirt, who, as a player, majestic and, you know, kind of like maverick. But post that, since becoming a manager, kind of yeah. name gets budded around as being a bit of a political nightmare. I don't, if I had, if I had a Ryan Giggs shirt in my collection now, which I don't, actually, you know what, Ryan Giggs is actually a perfect example of what you've used. Because I did have a few years ago a Ryan Gig shirt, but this was obviously the stuff about him and his brother had come out. Yeah, but I did have it because of the football link. I did sell it on, but after all the stuff that's come out recently about with the alleged uh, stuff of his wife, girlfriend, whatever, I wouldn't now actively go out and buy a Ryan Gig shirt because of okay. that. I couldn't. Because I'd see the Ryan Giggs name and, yes, a great footballer, but then I'd also have that. And then if someone saw me in the street, they might, who's a bit younger, and they've only seen Ryan Giggs in the news for this reason and not for the football reason, then it's kind of, you know, it's the muddy waters, I think. Yeah, no, you make a very good point. What would you what, what, what would you say, then? Do you know what? <laughs> so, I'm trying to think. I mean, there's only really one person that wants a wolf shirt, and it's Steve Bull. Um, But (laughs) one of the reasons why I asked that question is because living in Wolverhampton, I see it a lot. People will actively go out and get Steve Bull, number nine, and Bull on the back of every single wolf shirt they own. And I don't think it looks that bad. I don't mind it. It is just a personal preference, I think, and that's where... Oh, yeah kind of bring it around to our podcast because I know that we both talk about football shirts, but we kind of do, we talk about different things. And on as we talk about the idea of having name sets on the back and we, the idea of it. And at the end of the day, the person who's paying the money, there's a reason why they're buying it, right? There's a reason why they're buying a certain name set, that certain things. It's because A, they want to, B, they've got the money to spend on it. So who are we to say... No, no, you know, um, the great, again, the great thing about football shirts is it's so varied and there's so many different uh, nuances to it that we can all be unique within 
the kind of small world that is football shirts. Yeah, it's just I don't. I just I see Bellingham now what he's doing at Real Madrid, and I'm just like. I just want a Real Madrid Bellingham shirt really badly, but then with my past history of what's happened with name sets, I don't <laughs> want to do it to, I don't want to do it to myself, yeah. and I don't want to do it to him. I don't want to put this curse. I know it's a common word in this episode of the podcast, but the, yeah, I just don't want to, you know, Bellingham. I don't want to get you on the it's name back on the name shirt, and you go do break your leg on something. So. quid. Oh yeah, and that yeah, that is a major point off factor as well, to be honest. <laughs> So one of the things that um, I'm really into at the moment with football shirts is um, we recently had on the podcast, and it was something we did during the World Cup, because during the World Cup, you'd see both men's and the women's, you would see um, companies uh, release versions of World Cup shirts that maybe don't exist. Uh, The worst example was Ronaldinho has a sporting brand, and Ronaldinho released... Uh, an England shirt, a Mexico shirt, a Brazil shirt, um, and I'll have to, I'll send I'll try and send you a picture of it. You can look from, and they were they were awful. But Umbro went and released a Brazil shirt, an England shirt, and a Spain shirt. Even though Spain weren't worn by Umbro, but everyone tried to cash in on the World Cup and release kind of shirts that didn't exist. But I'm really into at the moment um, fashion street football brands so um kit and bone he was one of the very first guests we had on our show who is taking football shirts and kind of creating uh fashion shirts that, that look like football shirts at good prices um the other one was the asphalt social club with club with a k which just literally says ask and this guy is making football shirts that look like shirts that you would see growing up but they're not they're their own twist on them so uh, one of the ones he released was um is it the 1982 holland kit which is the famous one is it 82 or a bit earlier than that it's uh, kind of like 88 88 isn't it the the, the the really famous one yeah the holland 88 yeah. Shirt, yeah and so he's he's taken that element of the holland shirt but he's made that pattern look like a lion so oh, yeah, what's the Instagram? Is he on Instagram? Yeah, it's um, ask underscore intl. It's the Asphalt Social Club, and we had them. Like I say, we had him on the show recently, and we were talking about him. Like he loves football and he loves street, you know, kind of fashion wear, and he combines the two to make some really unique pieces that aren't out of place as football shirts, but equally just quite unique and so i find that as a bit of a different kind of way of approaching football shirts yeah the, i've never seen these before these are really interesting i love that uh is that the is that brazil there with the uh Christ Christ Redeemer Redeemer. On? yeah yeah that's that's brilliant that that's really good i've never seen so it another example before. and this one i picked up super cheap was um i got this which to all extents and purposes, looks like um, England Italia 90 away shirt, right? Yeah. But when I look closely, it's actually pretty green. You know, the kind of uh, Gallagher, is it Liam Gallagher's company? Oh, right, yeah. So he went and made this. It's called the Stuart Pierce shirt. It's not football, but it's enough football to be like, is that football? Oh. And 
Yeah. It uh, creates a conversation, which is why we wear football shirts. Yeah, and it probably takes away like the uh, the tribal feeling of having a football shirt as well, I suppose, doesn't it? Do you know what? That's exactly what we said when we were talking together about it because um, you said earlier on uh, when I, we were talking kind of not on camera, but and I feel the same way, I don't own another English football shirt. I have Wolves. I've got about five or six Wolves shirts, but I don't own any others. I've got Scottish. I've got Welsh. I've got Irish. I've got German. I've got, but no other because of the tribalistic nature that there is about football. But if you were to produce a uh, non non Arsenal um, lightning bolt blue and light blue lightning bolt shirt that looks like a football shirt has Arsenal hint to it, but isn't Arsenal, I'd be like, I can get on board with that because then I can appreciate the pattern yeah. and the design rather than... I think that's probably a lot of people probably do just collect template shirts as well then because, like like you say, there's no well-known club crest on there. The majority of the time, there's not a well-known sponsor. So it just takes the whole tribalism out of it. You know, a lot of people do collect football shirts for the way they look. Some people don't even care about the club or the player or anything that's on the back. They just want it for the way it looks. So that's probably why the template market is having a bit of a, a boom at the minute because it just like the shirts from Asphalt Social Club and Kit and Bone yeah. and other companies alike. One it more. just takes that complete tribalism out. I've got one more to show you really quickly. And this was, I know that people don't like classic football shirts that much, you know, because of some pricing and, quality issues and everything but when they um want to make their own products they do a really good job and i've got two things and this is one of them they release their own version of football shirts which are based on things and this was called the whatever mind oh, shirt yeah, yeah i remember these which is half nirvana half clueless and to me that i mean more so because i'm a kind of a born in the 80s 90s child it resonated to me so much more than other shirts and i was like i've got to get that so again it look it to all intents and purposes it looks like a football shirt you know it's made in the same design it's got a football badge it's got a you know a design logo it's got a sponsor but when you get up close you're like oh what team is that and you're like well actually it's based on this this (laughs) conversation yeah, did they do a Windows 98 or Windows 96 version as they well? They did, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I remember, I remember. yeah. And the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air one as well. Yeah, Fresh yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then the other thing they did is last two summers or last summer, they did a uh, goalkeeper's <laughs> summer shirt. So this is an actual shirt, but as oh, you can tell, shirt. it's got the Asics um, 90s kind of... Shaka Hislop yeah. goalkeeper shirt. I have never seen one of those ever. No, that is amazing. Oh, kind of, if I move away a bit, you can see it in better. That yeah, for audio listeners, it is a. It's not a football shirt. It's an actual shirt you'd wear out somewhere. <laughs> Just a, like a button-up yep. shirt. That's class. <laughs> Short sleeve, perfect for the summer. Um, but it looks like, yeah, it's that kind of like Asics, um, Tim Flowers, Shaka Hislop, the kind of goalkeepers that come to mind. Um, 
That's absolutely. I, I dig it. And that's exactly it. Yeah. Like, it's what can we do that's football related but isn't actually football shirt? Yeah, there's an to keep on like this kind of track. There's a I don't have a clue what their account name is, but she's like she gets like actual football shirts, so they do have like the crest and that. But then she paints like. Uh, designs on them all as like jewels to them. She's done like some lovely Italy a shirts, and I'd be like, "Is that what her name is?" I'm gonna quickly. So yeah, she, oh. so, um, she um, had when classic football shirts did their exhibition uh, a few years ago. There were a couple of her shirts there, and they're so intricate and beautiful, like roses around the England badge and the Italy shirt. Yeah, because uh, oh yeah, because uh, uh, Barcelona defenders at Kunde. He had the Japan yeah. the, the Japan shirt on, didn't he? And that's was yeah. Oh, that's just like obviously it's a bit different from the shirts that we talk about because they do have the crest and everything on. So maybe the tribal tribalism is there, but just that takes some people might not like it, but I love it. I think it just takes a whole shirt a shirt to a whole new level. Like maybe a design that the manufacturer or the brand has missed. The Italy shirts are ridiculous. I'm just looking at some of the uh, on her Instagram here. The Italy Renaissance shirt. And the Austria away shirt, I think it was from Euro 2020 slash 2021. They're one of the ones that stand out. But yeah, I could, that, I'm glad you've told me her name because some of the stuff that she's done is just amazing. Yeah, so um, again, on the pod, I, mean, I tried to get her on, but she's too famous. But um, we've got <laughs> um, Jake from Art on Shirts, who's another one who paints on the shirts. He... Um, I first noticed him because he got, he tends to get like shirts that are a bit um, broken or ripped or something. And then he will paint a piece of art on top of it. So to hide it. So the first oh, one he I've ever seen did. Him do, uh, I've seen him do one for Marcus, Kit Manaman. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Ian Wright and then Ian Wright yeah. went and signed it for him. Um, yeah. He's done one yeah, for Peter cool. Schmeichel. And so like he's now getting famous enough that the people he's doing the artwork for are taking them to the person and they're signing it and having it photos with it which is pretty cool yeah that's just like i know obviously fo- the football shirt community the football shirt world blah whatever you want to call it, it it's already niche and unique and there's so many different things going on with so many different people it's class and then you have like this sub level of people like that who are just taking shirts to a whole new level or doing stuff with shirts in a completely unique way. That's why I honestly just, it fascinates me. And then you discover these new people, new accounts daily, and it just, you just find yourself completely going completely further down the rabbit hole. It's just, yeah. So um, the Jake from Art on Shirts was a quick story. We, um, he came and um, hopped on the pod once to help me out because Mark was away. And so uh, we ended up having a, well, actually, it ended up being a double episode where we talked about goalkeeper shirts and how we are sick of what is the modern kind of goalkeeper template. They're so boring in the fact that uh, yeah. United have the same template as Arsenal have the same template as Ajax have the same template as, you know, whoever. And it's boring. But, and we, we, we reminisce over 90s as being the pinnacle of goalkeeper shirts. But actually, 
they were all templates as well, but we just didn't, we weren't as uh, exposed to football shirts as much as in the 90s. So we thought they were all unique. But yeah. in a rebellion against it, we decided to kind of like design our own goalkeeper shirt. And so we kind right. of put a design together saying we wanted it to have this and have that and have this and have that. And then um, one of these kind of manufacturers got in contact and said, we can make that. And so um, this one here, oh, you've got we, it had a few, we, we had a select run made. So this was the um, kind of, and I ended up wearing this for my uh, guy playing goal. So this was my goalkeeper shirt last season. We had made a, a, a football shirt, a goalkeeper shirt, which is, you see, like we've got lightning bolts on there. We've got yeah. rainbow patterns. It's supposed to like be a throwback to the, uh, the classic 90s mad goalkeeper shirt. Yeah, that reminds me of the, funny, weirdly enough, two shirts we've talked about in this, that A6 template actual shirt that you've just shown me in the Arsenal lightning bolts. That's a weird, <laughs> lovely coincidence. Yeah. Football secular like that. <laughs> They're very chalk and cheese now, though, aren't they? Goalkeeper shirts from back in the nineties and stuff. Like you say, it's weird seeing the big clubs like Arsenal, United, and Ajax, uh, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich all have like, like you say, templates and haven't. I think even like United towards the end of last season. I know, especially when we won the Carabao Cup, you couldn't actually buy the United goalkeeper shirt that David De Gea wore, the yellow one, with the badge on it. It was, you could only buy the template from the store, mm. which is, I yeah. Mean, the same with uh, Mary Earps, who, you know, won Golden Glove in the World Cup. She's voted the best goalkeeper in the world at the moment, but you can't buy a Mary Earps England goalkeeper shirt. I mean, where's, where's the sense in that? Yeah, that's what I thought. So when all that was like happening and everyone was uh, kicking up a fuss about, I thought that's not just for women's football though. That is a a problem for men's football as well. Goalkeepers, for some reason, their shirts aren't as readily available. Obviously, I think they're more accessible than that Mary Oates shirt was. Obviously, they have gone on to release it and it sold out instantly. But the goalkeeper shirts in general, just I don't know for for some people, just aren't a wanted item. I don't know why because. Some goalkeeper, goalkeepers probably, as you were told as a child, if you played in goal, it's the most important position on the pitch, kind of thing. So, and like some of the people that are playing in goal, some of the biggest legends and icons in the game as well. So, to kind of uh, segregate that market, kind of, is a bit, it's a bit strange, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But um, on the flips, because you know we have seen the success of marketing a goalkeeper shirt really well. So, um, before the whole incident with Hummel, Bristol Bristol Rovers had that uh, Denmark goalkeeper shirt. They re-released it, didn't they? And um, yeah, yeah. I know they've gone and done it again for another team. I think, it, I can't remember who it is, but it's not important right now. But that sold out within minutes. And, mm. you know, Bristol Rovers have got great goalkeeper shirts going on. And the further down the table you go, the more... Um, crazier, unique goalkeeper shirts we're seeing. So if companies like Hummel, if companies like um, O'Neill's and, and you know, can do bespoke goalkeeper shirts, then why can't Adidas? Why can't Nike? 
because you you'd like to think they've got one eye on the market and if if you know if you if they see that i mean no again no offense to a bristol rovers goalkeeper but i can't name you who it is but his shirt sells out within an hour Man, surely yeah. Nike have got to look at that and go, well, what about if we do this? I just don't think they're brave or daring enough to do it. I think they're, they're just so worried about potentially it missing the mark with it all. I think that's why they didn't release the Mary Earp shirt initially because they just thought, oh, it won't, it's just going to be a waste of our time, a waste of money if, if, we, if we produce it and it just doesn't sell the numbers we want to. And then you kind of create this problem where the demand's higher than the supply, and then you also disappoint people because you don't release enough of it when you do initially release it. But I'd, yeah, for the design, the whole designing of most shirts in general, especially Nike in modern days, they're just not brave enough. They're just too safe with a lot of the stuff they do. It's something that I noticed um, when we were talking about the women's World Cup shirts is that with Nike especially, it's like every team got one unique shirt and one template and it, it was you know it was either your home shirt was the template and the away shirt was unique or the take england for example england's home shirt was the template with those funny little blue triangle things coming from the neck and their yeah. away shirt was unique whereas uh, some clubs had you know a unique home shirt and then a template away shirt. And you, you you hit the nail on the head and say they're just not daring enough to be like... But then, you know, sometimes they completely pull one out of the bag. And, and you've already said on your podcast before about the Nigeria 2018 shirt. Was it 2018? It was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, like That yeah, was all within yeah. minutes. So... Yeah, yeah exactly. Know. So when you see shirts, you see shirts like that, and then that's that wasn't even... I don't think that... I think I've mentioned on that episode where I mentioned it that it's not a template. I don't think I've seen another shirt, another team with that shirt or the style of it. You've seen like uh, these underground brands or smaller manufacturers try to imitate it because it's so popular. But mm. uh, again, it's not a template. So why haven't they tried to make more standard? I think it's maybe a bit harder for for clubs, or so maybe with home shirts and home national shirts as well because you've got traditions and colours to stick like a colour wave to match to haven't you really I think that's why they've been a lot braver with the third shirts and stuff and away shirts this season like Adidas especially if you look at the Arsenal yeah. and United prime example of that yeah they make a good point there because who, who's Wolves manufacturer is it is it, is it Castor well so I, yes it is but I don't know the whole story about it but regardless of the Kit problems they've got at the moment with Castor is um, one of the things the unique relationship the Wolves have with Castor is that uh, Wolves have some kind of more so than say like Aston Villa. I don't think Aston Villa have this. We have a special relationship with Castor where we can produce the items with Castor's logo on it. So we have two price points for Wolves shirts at the moment an authentic and a replica. Mm. Whereas I think oh, okay, Aston yeah. Villa, at least last season, only had authentic. So there were questions over why Wolves were able to charge 50 or £60 and £100. So I think, yeah, it's just a unique kind of relationship we had. We can produce um, 
more training wear, cheaper training wear as well. Whereas again, oh, like Aston Villa, Newcastle have got, I'm not going to say a standard contract with Castor, but let's say a, a, a different contract. Yeah, and obviously Newcastle are going to Adidas is it next season, season after anyway, so there's no point in them even trying to change that, is there? Because Aston Villa's away shirt is very similar to Wolves' third shirt, or Wolves' second away shirt is very similar to Aston Villa's third. What, which way around is it? I can't remember. And obviously both Castor as well. So it's another kind of lazy like manufacturing, yeah. really, isn't it? Especially because they're quite... Are they, are, they, are they rivals, Wolves and Villa? Um... That's an interesting one. I think it. Um, my dad thinks so because when he was around, Wolves and Villa were two of the better teams. I, I am a more of a don't like West Brom, but I think I'm a very kind of placid football fan. I'm not very angry or tribalistic in that sense, so I don't really care. But I think there is a kind of a a mutual hatred between each other because you know when we first joined the Prem, we were very good. But now Aston Villa are starting to get very good, so it's bragging rights of the West Midlands. Yeah, so for Castor to make similar shirts for two teams that don't like each other, that's also a bit like... I couldn't imagine like that'd be like Adidas last season making United and Leeds shirts similar. It'd just be like, oh, hang on a minute, it's a bit... Mm, I'm not a fan of that. But that was, I mean, that did happen, didn't it? Like, back when there was the total 90 kits, both Leeds and Man United had identical templates, but with different colours. And if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, Celtic and Rangers both had Carling as sponsors of both Nike kits at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. We, Arsenal we and United had the total 90 shirts, yeah. We see this pattern. I mean, again, that comes down to templates, but we see the pattern more often than we don't when we, you know, we think about it. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, because so, obviously we did the little quiz on yeah on the opera. I won't spoil it, but Celtic and Celtic came up, didn't they? And I thought actually yeah. Rangers had. I could have said the similar answer. Yes, yeah, so, yeah. I don't think manufacturers and sometimes sponsors think this think this stuff out. You know. <laughs> Were you growing up? I mean, you probably were a bit too young to have been influenced by Sharp, but were you influenced at all by sponsors? Like having Man United kits, did you want to have a Vodafone phone? Uh, no, but funny enough, I am with Vodafone now, and I think my first phone was with Vodafone. But I don't think it was a. I don't think it was any influence of actually the sponsor. Do you know what I mean? Because I, I I like the Arsenal O2 shirts. And I wasn't really influenced by that either. Chelsea, I like the Samsung. I was saying that actually, you know, I've just looked up at my, I've got a monitor behind here. I've got a Samsung monitor. I've got a Samsung TV downstairs. So maybe Chelsea and Samsung during the early, uh, during the mid nineties, maybe that's had some influence on me. See, like uh, Wolves, we had Goodyear for a long time. So uh, I only wanted to have Goodyear tyres. Not that I could drive because I was only 10, <laughs> but I wanted to make sure my dad had Goodyear tyres. And then um, when we had Doritos, I originally hated them. They were just cool original, is <laughs> in my opinion, one of the worst flavours of crisp 
in the world, right? Others like it, that's your own opinion, but they were disgusting. But I was forcing myself to eat them because it was like I was showing my <laughs> love for wolves by eating cool original flavored Doritos. All I'm saying is thank God for chili heat. <laughs> I know the amount of American investment accounts I made because of AIG and stuff like that. <laughs> it's it's kind of when you get older and you decide to look up what the actual sponsors were like we grew up with all these sponsors and i was like i had no idea what aig or aon were for a long time but then actually now i think i have actually been a bit gaslighted there by chelsea and samsung during the the mid-90s because i have a lot of samsung based things in my health there you go didn't even realize it was happening That is scary, yeah. Sponsorship works. <laughs> it really does, doesn't it? Shall we jump into goals in time, mate? Yes, let's do it. Do you want me to explain to you how it works, or do you think you kind of got the grasp of it? I, I have listened, so I kind of get it, but I think it would be a good idea for the people that have not listened for a long time for you to describe to them what the what the premise is. You should you should host a podcast, you know, with all these good ideas you keep giving. <laughs> just so, add, um, just so Jake, before he does that, I'm just going to quickly explain that what 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 he's referring to is that um, on Jake, just um, we kind of like doing each other a favor and appearing on each other's podcasts, and kind of on the spot, I um, invented a game which is one of those grid puzzles which people do with footballers but because we're a football shirt podcast we did one with football shirts and i think it went quite well i'm definitely going to try and do a few more oh yeah it's absolutely brilliant i embarrassed myself with a certain geordie and a certain color of shirt which will obviously come out but uh, yeah still i'm not gonna be able to sleep tonight after that actually it's gonna be picturing him (laughs) so for richard and any new listeners or I know it's been a few weeks since I've done the podcast. I know don't feel sorry for me. First world problems and all that. I will explain to you how goals and time works. I give the guest a choice of team, uh, tournament era. Richard's got very rogue here and gone player, which I'm not hating at all. Very good, very good choice. And I will give them five famous slash iconic well-known goals. I won't just pick any random goal against... I always use them against Charlton. Sorry, Menzies, I know you're listening, but Charlton is the example I use. Just so they have some sort of idea what the goal is. And I will give them the date, the teams involved, the scoreline, the goal scorer, and what goal the goal I'm showing made. So say, for Rich's example, he's picked David Beckham. David Beckham... Scored in the go- uh, scored in the game that finished five nil, but David Beckham's goal made it two nil. I will say David Beckham's goal that made it two nil in a game that finished five nil. And Richard or whoever the guest is that week, all they have to do after I've given them all that much needed information is tell me the minute the goal went in. It seems quite easy to some people, and then a lot of people it seems quite hard to. And I just love watching people either do really well or struggle at it. So. How do you think you're going to go on? I'm not going to lie. I I am very good at most things to do with goals other than the time. 
So like all the information you give me, I could give you anyway. Uh. Like, and you know, it's like I said, I don't know if I said it on, I did it right at the beginning of the show. I could name you the starting 11 of the Man United team that won, the, you know, the Champions League. I think probably, you know, but that's by the by. And I can, t- I can tell you when they scored, but um, I picked Beckham because again, we thought the documentary just came out. It's fantastic. And I did realize quite quickly that I own a PSG shirt. I I jumped on the bandwagon. I got the Inter Miami shirt with 30, 32 and Beckham on the back when he bought it out. And, you know, it's the, the one that got three pink stripes coming over the shoulder. So I got that one. I um, went and got one of those, you know, what the the name of the company score draw re-released some england shirts without umbro logo on it i went and got one of those and got beckham printed on the back so there's obviously a a love for him i can't hear you you've muted yourself see i'm out the game for two weeks and i've turned into a complete novice <laughs> <laughs> i'm quite happy that you showed that david beckham shirt before i know obviously you told me before we all get, you said you possibly want David Beckham as one of your options, but for that to come up as well, quite naturally, it always kind of ties in nicely with goals and time, which is one of my favourite segments of the podcast. As I've explained to Richard, I can't remember if we were live when I said it, with all the stuff that's happened with the rest in peace, the first laptop, unfortunately, the league table, it's been actually, it's, you know, it's actually a blessing in disguise because it's been coming there's a cup. The old league table is wiped. I can stop being accused of giving Ellis Platten away days a buy to the top of the league table because that's no more. We are starting a new. <laughs> we are starting a new league table from today. So, Richard, you're going to be top of the league regardless of what happens today. So, all I'm going to say is okay. pressure's off. You know what? We're like, don't... With a Friday night game, the start of the season, we will be top regardless. <laughs> No one else has played. <laughs> Just don't, you know. But you know, it's not. A pre- we are now into the season, not pre-season. So you know, don't go too heavy-handed, but don't also easy way into it. Try, you know, try and give yourself a respectable score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> I'll give you your first goal. Okay. On the sixth of October, two thousand and one, England two, Greece two. And this is obviously David Beckham's goal to make it two all. The goal. Oh, here we go. I don't believe it. David Beckham. Was that all right on your mm. screen or do you want me to play it again? You don't need to show that goal anymore. I mean, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, it was a bit sorry, but I don't need it. I don't need it. What a game. What a player for that game. What a moment. What minute was that goal in? Uh, that was in the 90 plus three, I believe. We get off to season two of Golden Time with a direct hit. Things you love mm. to see. Things you love to see. I mean, it's it's one of the, like, it's an, it's such an iconic goal for yeah. everyone. And like, it's, and again, we talk about the, david beckham documentary it covers that so well and i remember watching it live he's just i've never seen a game where a player grabs the whole team by the scruff of the neck you know chucks them on his back and 
I, I remember the thing about that one as well, as he's setting up, I remember Teddy Sheringham going up to him and obviously you find out later that Teddy Sheringham says like, oh, let me have this one because you've missed a few. And Beckham kind of like, just kind of completely ignores him. <laughs> yeah. Probably and, for the best, to be fair. Yeah. Like the thing is as well, when you, the, the, the angle you show, the second angle, it's a goal as soon as it's left his foot. Yeah. There's no, you know, getting up and down. There's no rush to the goalkeepers. The goalkeeper's planted and as soon as it leaves his foot, it's in. And, oh, we talked yeah. about at the start of the podcast, obviously the troubles that United are going through at the minute, especially with uh, a lot of the players. Just, yeah, disgraces, really. The way he reacted in that game, after all the abuse he received after the sending off in Argentina, for him to do what he... Even in the triple season, the way he dusted himself off and pulled himself through that, and then to do that for this fan base that's been... Well, not the, the majority him. of the fan base has been violent stuff towards you and your family to still have the mental strength and all that to do that it's just you wish like people players like that are a dying breed nowadays unfortunately so to mm. watch these goals back is even more nostalgic because they are mm. a dying breed are you ready for your second goal after am, that yeah. flying start this one second goal 9th of October 2004 England 2 Wales nil. And this is David Beckham again at Old Trafford making the scoreline 2 0. And Beckham again. Oh, brilliant goal! Beckham's done it again at Old Trafford! Had that shirt. Yeah, that was a very popular English show because it was like reversible, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Had, it yeah. was in um, St George's flag badge rather than the England yeah, badge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. What so here we go. Right, these are things I. Rem- this is what I said about. I remember loads of stuff, just not the times. Obviously, apart from that, by the one. Um, I remember when that goal went in. It was the first time that they had three hundred and sixty degree cameras. So when they played it back in the studio afterwards, they could stop it and then change the angle. Oh, wow. Obviously, it was very stop-starty. It wasn't very matrixy, yeah. but it was like that we couldn't change the angle of it going in. And also, if I remember correctly, did he... Was it this one, this game that he got booked in so he would miss... Or did he get booked? It was something about, I'm pretty sure, against Wales that Beckham got booked on purpose to miss a game so he could play in another game. Because he was already oh. on a yellow card, and if he yeah. got booked again, he would miss a game. So I think it yeah. was in this game he maybe got booked, so he'd be fresh for another game. Oh. Um, I want to say, see, this is where I'm going to struggle now. I think, yeah, England won two nil. Um, I think it's going to be more of a 60th minute kind of thing. So I think. I'm going to go 60. I mean, 65 is a good generic number. Let's go 65. 76th minute. So not too far, right? Oh, 65 and 75 are such good numbers to pick. <laughs> yeah, they are banging like the good round numbers, aren't they? But that's not a bad guess at all. They're only 11 out. I don't even really remember that game. Or like when I saw it, when I got the goal, I was like, I don't really remember this. Especially when they used to watch England quite a, a bit back then. They end up being 
like that that period of English football was so dominant in qualifiers that it didn't matter whether England played Wales or Scotland, it was just on to the next one. Whereas nowadays, the quality of the opposition has increased that England, Wales, England, Scotland, England, Ireland are bigger games than they were. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you saw that recently with the Scotland game and definitely the game at the uh, the Euros where it was nil-nil. Are you ready for your third goal? I am, yeah. I had, I'm sorry, I had, I had to throw this one in off the David Beckham Man United. To, sorry, so this one, this one's for me as well. On the 14th on, of April, 1999, oh, Arsenal yes, come one, on, come on. This United is, I, two. This is one of his best. I'm glad you agree. I'm glad you agree. This is David Beckham making the scoreline one nil in that FA Cup game. It's the way he wraps his foot around it. Like, there's a obviously with a Beckham free kick. The classic Beckham free kick is, and classic Beckham technique is, wall, goal, and goalkeeper on the other side, right? And Beckham bends it around the wall and into the, I guess you'd call it the near post where the goalkeeper yeah. is situated, yeah, and the yeah. goalkeeper dives in. You know, in peril without being able to. <laughs> but some of the better Beckham free kicks, in my mind, the better Beckham goals are like that, where he's, he's exactly the same technique, doesn't change anything, yet manages to wrap his foot around it and curl it away from the goalkeeper. Okay. Like, I, as a goalkeeper myself, I know, you know, if I'm David Seaman, I'm the best goalkeeper probably in the world, um, you know, known for the Paul Pesky Salido save, but. Um, you know, you see the ball coming to Beckham, you're thinking, okay, I know what this guy does. He's going to put it, you know, to my left and up high because that's what he does. Yeah, Beckham wraps his foot around it and <laughs> bends it away from David Seaman despairingly. Now, that goal, obviously it was the replay. Yeah. Made famous for Ryan Giggs's winning goal when he takes on the whole team and you know, makes a fool out of David Seaman and reveals his incredibly hairy chest. <laughs> um, that goal was an extra time, and I know you don't do extra time goals. Peter Schmeichel saved a penalty in the 90, 90th minute, I think, from Dennis Burkamp. Again, yeah, a very, very Burkamp very penalties are almost, you know, a given. And <laughs> let's just have a little nod to Dennis Burkamp goals. If you ever get a guest on, do Dennis Burkamp goals, because those are superb. There's um, so many unbelievable ones, isn't there? Yeah, the thing with Burkamp, his ability to score a goal when the ball's trapped underneath his feet, with no <laughs> backlift. Oh, anyway, sorry. Um, I love beautiful goals. They're so beautiful. That's a thing, and this one's one of them. Um, Beckham scored that goal, I think, in so the end. That the, the video. That's the end that Schmeichel saves the penalty in, and I know that's in normal time. So that's in the ninety minutes. So it's in the first half. And you say they went 1-0 up. Is that right? Did you say that? Yes, 1-0 one, one yeah. up, yeah. Okay. So I think that would have been quite early because the shirts look quite white and clean. So I'm going to guess at, I don't know this one per se, but um, 15, 16, 17, 16, 17, 16, 17. 
Final answer? Yes. No. Yes. Yes. Another direct hit. Brilliant. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I need, I need oh, to please. stop asking people if it's their final answer because it's just for, I've had it before where someone's gone, I've got final answer and they've changed it and it's actually ended up further away. So maybe I should wow. try and get tells from you. You're like, uh, what's his face doing? Uh, who wants to be a millionaire? Is that your final answer? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, I, I try not what, to give anything. When, 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 when people mention the house, I'm a bit like, I try to keep a straight face. I'm like, I knew the Greece one. I knew the Greece one, but I didn't know that one. So that's quite, I knew, like I say, I worked it out that it was quite early on, but I didn't I didn't think it was 17 exactly, but that's all right. We'll take that. No, it's not bad going, is it? <laughs> not at all. For your fourth goal, we mentioned in the, uh, for the Greece game and the Greece goal about redemption arcs. Well, this goal is to complete an utter redemption arc for David Beckham. Oh, yeah. Because on the 7th, 7th of June, 2002, Argentina nil, England won. And this is David Beckham getting his revenge on Argentina. With the penalty for England. Hold the cups and the glasses back home. You can smash them now. Beckham has scored for England. No one's stopping that. I mean, to be fair... You can see how much anger and hatred he he has in that shot, can't you? Yeah, and he rips his shirt celebrating. And um, to be fair, like like I just said, like... You're not saving that, but it's not the best penalty in the world because it's not too far no. away from the goalkeeper's feet. But I don't think a goalkeeper's saving that because it's hit so quickly and ferociously. It's just, oh, and that ball, man, that fever Nova ball. Um, right, so we've got another one. Again, that was played in the Sapporo Dome, I believe, indoors which was unique for a World Cup game. I think maybe one of the first World Cup games played indoors. Um, I remember watching that. It was one of the early games, like 6am or something. And I always remember that John Motson was um, talking about, um, we're, you know, we're here and we're, you know, people will be drinking their beers, but most people at home will be having bacon sandwiches. Because <laughs> morning it was. Um, yeah. Now, again, it was this is what I love, you know, is thing about football that I kind of remember. It was Mauricio Pochettino that gave away the penalty, tripping up Michael Owen. Yeah. But when I was, because I was, I was only six when this World Cup was on, so I don't really, don't really have any memory of it. So when I got the clip before, and it said Pochettino fouls Owen, I was like, Mauricio Pochettino. <laughs> yeah. And um, if you like the the clip, the clip itself, if you kind of have it back a few moments, um, Beckham doesn't really get felled, but dives. Oh, he dives, yeah. dives, but (laughs) goes down early, and um, it's in proper like Beckham Greece territory. But the the ref plays on, and then Michael Owen leaves a hanging leg to get tripped up by Pochettino. Um, That one was uh, just before half time, so. I'm going to say it was 40, do you know what, 45? 44, but that oh, is only a minute out. You know, you're one of these people who come on here and go, oh, I'm going to struggle at this, and then 
absolutely smash it. It's been a while, to be fair, but we've had we've had people like you on here before who go, oh, you know, not going too good at this, and then they've absolutely smashed the ball. I mean, out the park. It'd be worse. It'd be worse if I said I'd be absolutely amazing at it and then be dreadful. So. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I'm gonna. This is actually. I'll be honest. I didn't think this was gonna happen. With, with with having a new league table, but I am going to check the old league table because okay. you're on 12 at the minute with one goal to go. And I think you could be in top of the league on the old league territory. Okay. So I want to see what score, what score you would have had, uh, what score Ellis had to beat. So you're on a score of 12 at the minute. Ellis, oh... I've got your hopes up there. Ellis finished on eleven, but second place okay. is definitely up. Second place is definitely up for grabs. I'll take it because it, in second place on the old league table was Jed from AT Football underscore One or the Total Screamers podcast, and he got fourteen. Okay, and I'm on 11, 12. So you're on twelve, yeah. Oh, here we go then. And your fifth and final goal, I just. I don't care if I've had this on before. I can't have someone request David Beckham for goals in time and not have this goal. It, it'd just be it'd be like this football shirt podcast without talking about football shirts. It's just it just made no sense because <laughs> on the seventeenth of August, nineteen ninety six, Wimbledon nil. Oh, here we go. Manchester United three, and obviously this is David Beckham's goal that made David Beckham's. Rise to stardom, making it 3-0. And Beckham saw Sullivan off his line. Oh, that is absolutely phenomenal. What an astonishing goal by David Beckham from the halfway line. Sullivan couldn't get back. What I love about that more than... There's a few things I love about that. Is that the way that Motson commentates on it before, it's like it's never been done before. And actually probably probably hasn't really been done before. The fact that someone's trying to kick a ball from the halfway line into the goal. I know Pele tried it. <laughs> yeah. But it's like the fact that... And this is obviously one of the things that we love about Motson is his commentary is so, um, like, enthusiastic. You know, it's like, it's just part that his commentary is as iconic as the goal itself, as is Aguero. You know, it's it comes part and parcel with it. Um, I think I know roughly when this goal goes in because I, I got a prerequisite this because we're recording a few days after Harry Kane has just scored from inside his own half. Yeah. For um for Bayern Munich. Now, the funny thing about that is you look at the time of that goal goes in. Harry Kane, I think he scores in the 72nd minute from the halfway line. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. No one scores a goal from the halfway line on the 72nd minute. You only ever score in the last two or three minutes of the game when the goalkeeper's pushing up higher, right? As an idea. Like, um, the furthest... Okay, so, this is... So, I'm, I'm, there is a point to this story, I promise. Um, <laughs> David Beckham, a few years ago, Adidas released the Time Capsule David Beckham boot, which was the all-white 
um, boot, which was the Adidas Predator Accelerator stripes, but with the kind of sock boot. And on the inside stitching, they had numbers and the numbers correlated to times in which he scored a goal. So um, he scored against the Portland Timbers for the LA Galaxy from probably just outside his own 18-yard box. And that was scored in the 90 plus one. And uh, the other goal was his goal against Levante, his first goal for Madrid. And that was scored in like 70 yeah, minutes, yeah. something like that. Um, but this yeah. one, this is why I think this one was late on in the game to make it 3-0. And so I think this one was the 90th minute. It was the 87th minute, but the oh. way you fought your way, the way you have fought your way into that is is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> when you were on saying about the uh, the point, I wasn't, be, I was trying not to give anything away. When you said towards the end of the game and you kind of said there's a point, I was trying not to give anything away. I was listening. I was just like, <laughs> just, don't, just don't break. Poker face, poker face. But, Richard, that gives you a score of 15, 15. which is, uh, is absolutely hey. brilliant. And that would have put you third in the old table, which is Champions yeah. League. Ellis came top. A lot of people think I gave him a buy or an easy going. There was famous goals in there for Leeds, but he actually... What episode is that? Which I didn't... Well, sorry? Can you remember what episode that is so I can go back and listen? Oh. I'll, I'll, I'll need to do a little check on my own here. need to vet the process. Ellis was episode 20. 20, okay. But he turned out to be at a lot of the games that that I chose. So, <laughs> and obviously he does like his recording and his logging and stuff. So I think maybe it's stuck in his mind. Hey, but yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because like I said, like I did say that I don't know all of it, and I did get it wrong for one or two of them. But it's some things just stick in your head. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But like, you, you have basically, like, basically have... some of the goals. Oh yeah. It's... I think when like kicking Dom last week, he oh well, last week's episode he was giving me details of what pub he was in. I couldn't remember the minute the goal, but <laughs> the details of the pub is just mental. So yeah, fifteen that's like an average of three minutes a goal, which is just ridiculous. That's not Absolutely too bad, ridiculous. is it? No, and what a way to start the second season yeah. of goals in time. Really, good luck to anyone trying to beat that because <laughs> I think Ellis was episode twenty and we're episode. 35 now, and he's still basically got the highest score, but obviously not on the, the new league table. Maybe we need to have a champion of champions come the end and uh, we can... Well, there is a, a monthly series I was doing. Well, a monthly series, I did one episode. It was, there's always time and goals in time where I get two people on and it's literally just goals in time and they go head to head. So I'm going to try, it's just finding the time to do it. So I'm yeah, going to try bring double, double A actually for enough, we mentioned him before. He's the current champion of it, so. Well, yeah, and he's picking Man United goals, right? Yeah, well, I had two Man United fans on as well. It's, it's just a big Man United Ooh, goal. Oh, that would be orgy, good. Really. Yeah, yeah, look at you all just like loving each other. <laughs> so yeah, that was yeah. So yeah, he beat another United fan, but whoever he goes up against next, if it wasn't a United fan, I'd have to make it fair and just choose five iconic, famous goals. That's the only way you can make it fair, isn't it? 
Yeah, true. But uh, that's us done, Richard. Thank you very much for coming on. Awesome. You're welcome. I had fun. For, oh, yeah. I've, like I say, we did a an episode of your podcast and I really had fun on there. I love the, the quiz idea, the whole topic of conversation we uh, talked about. Really enjoyable, mate. So I am now going to give you the floor. I know you gave me the chance to finish, give the outro on your podcast, but I will give you the floor to plug yourself and your podcast to any listeners who may not know about it. Right. So um, I'm Richard and um, I do a podcast with my buddy, Mark. We're called the wonderful world of football shirts. Um, It is, it's a podcast that just talks about football shirts and where they fit in the world. You know, uh, we do talk a bit of how football shirts reminisce, you know, with, uh, you know, time in your life. Uh, We talk about name sets on the back. We talk about footballers that, uh, wear football shirts out and about. I mean, me and Jake just uh, just tried to get to the bottom of the Kanye West football shirt debacle that's happening at the moment. You know, that's the kind of thing we do. We talk about um, even like Premier League players that have contracts with Burberry and the kind of stuff they wear out and about. Um, as we've said already on your show here, we talk about uh, streetwear. Um, Hector Bellerin. He always features on the podcast because he's always seen in a retro shirt somewhere or whatever. You know, he does it, he wears it so well. Um, so yeah, we, we, we welcome everyone onto the show to contribute. Uh, we often have, well, yeah, we have some games. We like to do a snog, marry, avoid football shirt edition where we have three football shirts that are similar and you have to snog one, marry one, avoid one. So yeah, let's say. Uh, right now, for example, Manchester United's three current releases, uh, three shirts you've got right now, home, away, and third, you have to snog one, marry one, and avoid one forever. And I know you love well, these three shirts. Yeah, as we well, as we discussed on your podcast, I think we know which one I'm marrying. I'm marrying the away shirt. I'm gonna snog the snog the third shirt and avoid the home shirt. Okay. Okay. See. The- there's no wrong answers. <laughs> um, but as we, we call it our safe space in which you are allowed to share opinions that you have, no matter how varied or wild they might be. Um, like, I don't like the bruised banana shirt. Don't like it. Yeah, I know. And or, like, I don't think it's even like the bruised banana template. They don't even have the best one. There's some teams in... You know, we did a whole episode based on the bruised banana shirt, and we found out <laughs> that Romania's under twenty ones in the nineteen like nineteen ninety whatever it was, what year that was, it came out. They had bruised banana shorts as well. Oh, that's yeah, go back and have you, a look. You're gonna you're gonna have to send me a picture of those shorts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, they blew my mind. But why did Arsenal never have this? But uh, yeah, that's the kind of thing we talk about, and we find out. And so, uh, yeah, that's what we do. And we're uh, at Shirts Pod, or if you go on any kind of reputable and some unreputable podcast platforms, you can find us at the wonderful world of football shirts. Brilliant. Thank you very much, mate. Thank you very much for coming on and let me come on to your podcast. Ah, you're welcome, Jake. Take care. And uh, yeah, I hope, uh, I hope everything goes well with your laptop and the fortunes of Manchester United. <laughs> That's it now. That's the curse back on. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> oh, shit. Fuck. Yep. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network. Life's better with American Family Insurance. 
Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.